0: Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon is Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention. The next event is scheduled for June 24th through 26th, 2002 in Norman, Oklahoma. However, they need your help to put on the next event. Please visit SoonerCon.com to find out how you can help make SoonerCon 30 a reality. The Hellmouth Convention The Hellmouth Convention is a celebration of all pop culture, but specifically things like Buffy, Angel, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. It is held in Los Angeles, California, and the next event is scheduled for June 3rd through 5th, 2022. Proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship Fund. For more information, go to thehellmouth.org. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig and I'm going to be your host. I'm really excited for today's episode because I'm talking with filmmaker Mark Morales and I'm getting the chance to watch a really exciting independent film project come together almost from the ground up. I think his project is fascinating and he's got a great mind for doing this kind of stuff. So I'm really eager to get started right now. On tap today, we have Mark Morales. How are you doing today? Good, sir.
1: I am doing well, Aaron. How are you?
0: I am doing fantastic. Uh, we had a chance to chat a while back, and I've been looking forward to talking to you because I really dig independent film. And when I heard about the kind of stuff you were working on, I'm like, this this guy is, is exactly what I dig. Um, so wh- how do you feel about getting into the, the, the film Uh business what's what's your motivation
1: my motivation for film um I I guess that that inner voice (laughs) I I, I guess because I suck at math and I I'm not not good at uh, I don't know at at accounting I guess that's still math uh it's always been film uh, for as long as I just always enjoyed film watching it and all of a sudden I'm getting older and I'm critiquing it and then you're starting to take film classes in college. And then I started to write and I ended up, since I was living in New York, I'm from New York, theater was, you know, right there. So it, it was easy to get my hands on. So I started, I, um, I created a, a theater company called Edge of Insanity with Carrie um, O'Donnell. And we did that at a horse trade theater group in the late 90s, early 2000s, down in um, the um, East Village on East, East 4th Street. So basically all my writing, when I first started writing everything, was for theater. and um, But in my mind, when I was writing, I didn't see theater, I always saw film. So we would, like like the first production we did was Galaxy Video, and all of a sudden it was like, "Um, in order to do this right, you know, we have to have the lighting. And someone's like, this is like a movie. So right there, it's like, well, I guess I'm writing film. So right from there, it just progressed, and then I moved to Texas, and I had a screenplay, which I'd never written before, but I wrote one and wanted to see if I could, and someone expressed an interest, and here we are today. It's and interesting you
0: say that it was always film, because I've heard so many people talk about how they got their feet wet in one area was because they really felt like they were drawn to another they, they wrote a, a novel because they wanted to make a movie or they made a tv show because they wanted to make a play and they just didn't have the, the tools to get into what they really wanted to get into but now you do apparently you you are actually right making a movie
1: right we start shooting january the 4th in san antonio texas so what is this project that you're on It's called 521 North Main Street. It's a horror movie. It's about a group of uh, ghost hunters who end up going to that address, 521 North Main Street. And they're not really ghost hunters. They're just a group of people who have a YouTube channel and they go explore and if they, you know but they know they're not gonna find ghosts because they don't think ghosts are real. So like in one one scene they're talking about, oh, remember that time we went to the LaLoria mansion in uh, New Orleans and the Little Root Mansion in New Orleans, and uh, we found that amazing jambalaya recipe. And you know, so they're good with things like that. You know, they're kind of comical, but then they end up going to this place and accidentally conjuring up these demons and transporting themselves to an alternate universe that looks just like you know, where they are, but they try to leave and they end up walking in circles. So now they're stuck and they have to find a way out before they become you know, before their souls get sucked into this fortress.
0: That is so cool. I I mean, I'm grabbing onto this for a number of reasons. One, I have known a lot of ghost hunters in my past. A lot of clicks that I've I've come into had a lot of people in that, and they are some, a fun group of people to say the least. Now I'll also say, I'm not really the biggest horror fan out there. It's not my go-to, but Mm -hmm. what I love are horror fans. I get the horror fans at a convention, and they are the most fun people to have a drink with. Even if I have no idea what (laughs) movie they've seen or are talking about, they get so jazzed about it. Even when the movies are shit, they love it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm like that. If you hit the right film, you bring it up, I I can sit here for hours and just talk about it. Uh It's ridiculous. I was on one podcast, and... They, they they hit a sweet spot, and I was like, "Oh my god, let's go!" And it's like, "No, we have to ask you questions. We can't just sit here and talk about this one horror no. the time." Like I huge fan of um, like I'm from you know I'm I'm in my I'm 50s, so 80s horror movies are really not that there aren't any good ones right now because there are mm-hmm. very very good ones right now, but um God, I love like John Carpenter and. Movies like Chopping Mall with Kelly Maroney, I love it. (laughs) I think it's great. And Night of the Comet, you know those little B films. Those are fantastic. But I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead.
0: I'm I'm eager to see what your 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 inspirations were. I'm eager to see where you just decided what made you say, "I have to do this."
1: Well, it's those. um, Well, all my inspiration. I forget. It's going to be from film. It's going to be from those horror films. When I sat down, like I said, I wrote a lot of a, a lot of um a lot of plays and I had never written a horror script or, or a script at all, so we were living, we were just about to move to Jersey and we were living in, no, not Jersey. So we were living in New Jersey to save some money right before we moved to Texas. And my girlfriend was going back, would have to leave every few months to come to Texas for like a week or two to do work and then she'd come back. So I'd have these, you know, like two weeks, I would have you know a three you know three week gap, so I have nothing to do. So I would get home from work and I'd sit there. I'm like, well, you know, I can write another play, or I can try to write a screenplay because I never did that before. So at that point, I'm like, right, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a play. What am I going to write about? So I'm like, okay, what kind of movies do I like? I'm like, right, I love horror movies. I'm like, let's do a horror. Movie. Like that down let's find a location because I'm like, that might be easiest to find a, you know, find a location like the Amity Valhara, you know, it was centered around a house. So I'm like, okay, so let's send around something. I'm like, okay, let's center it around this place over here. All right, great. So then I just started writing it from there and it just starts to progress more and more and more. And then, you know, boom, you know, good things do happen. So that's where it was, but yeah, all my inspiration came from movies like like Chud and this stuff. God, I love this stuff. Um, Night of the Comet, like I mentioned before, Chopping Mall, of course, The Thing by John Carpenter, anything by really John Carpenter. John Carpenter's Vampires, if you haven't seen that, that's fun. Um, Escape from New York, oh my God, I can watch it over and over and over and over again. Escape from LA, I don't care what anyone says about that movie, it is fun. It is entertaining and it is fun. Yes, it's not even close, you can't even compare it to Um, Escape from New York, but Escape from LA in its own little ball of thing is a wonderful movie. And Ghost on Mars also, you can talk crap all you want about it, but it is also a good movie. And if people don't know this, they should look it up, but it is actually kind of like the third part to the um, the, um, Escape from New York series trilogy. So it's like Escape from New York, Escape from LA, and then um, Ghost of Mars was supposed to be the last one. But you know, I guess I don't know what happened. They couldn't get Kurt Russell anymore, so they got Ice Cube. Whoop, whoop. All right, there you go. All
0: right, now see, I can get on board with that because <laughs> I, like I said, not the horror guy per se. I love Escape from New York. So it's wonderful. I, it is yeah. wonderful. And I don't hate Escape from L.A. See,
1: yes, it is good. Especially if you like, you're from those places and you know, and you know, you, you know the layout of the city and you. You can picture and you map it out you're sitting there it's like okay okay i know what that is okay they're there and then all of a sudden you know it clicks it's like wait a minute there is no way that they're gonna walk x amount of miles you know they're not gonna get from there to there in that much of time that's ridiculous you know <laughs> but yeah what's a good movie like that oh my god oh what is it called um, cloverfield because you know i'm <laughs> from new york so No, I lived in Manhattan. I know the island isn't that big, no matter what Mm -hmm. people say. It's really not that big. And especially because it kind of goes down to a point where you get, you know, further downtown or up, actually uptown, I think. So anyway, but Cloverfield, you have this huge, 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 like creature. And it manages to hide itself in the city and people can't find it. And then it walks, it would be across New York in a matter of seconds (laughs) the way it walked you know with its stride so you know i would sit there and watch cloverfield i used to hate cloverfield because i'm like this is just ridiculous but then after a while i don't know i ended up you know liking it a lot but anyway there there you go so there's my sure cloverfield rant (laughs) did
0: did you happen to read the book ready player one
1: no but i saw the movie and which is weird because right before the movie came out i was working with this guy and he was like have you ever read Ready Player One? I'm like, no. And he's like, you would love it. And then all of a sudden, boom, the movie comes out. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Yes. I'm There's- the
0: flip of that. I have actually not seen the movie, but I read the book and did love it. But I, from what I understand, this part has been taken out of the movie, but it, it really ties right into what you're talking about. In the movie, from what I've heard, he starts out in Ohio. In the book, he originally lives in Oklahoma City. Okay. Am I getting that right?
1: I don't know. I really don't. I only saw it once. I can't even tell you. That was a while ago.
0: Well, it's really funny because just like you're talking about, if you know the land, I live in Oklahoma City. (laughs) I drove by all the places he's talking about in the book this morning. And the part where he describes the protagonist's home as being the stacks of of trailer parks is where the big Dell service center is right now. And I can't imagine that was on purpose, but it's just so funny that this book about this weird technological future, the, the character lives essentially in the parking lot of a Dell service center.
1: That's awesome. It is. That's really awesome which is weird. I am, I'm a huge Greece fan, like, you know, who isn't? So, but this is how dumb I am. So I lived in California at one point and I used to live near this high school. I could walk to the high school. It was right there. Walk past it all the time. I moved from that area years later. I'm watching Greece and I'm like, well, there's Rydell High. And I'm like, Rydell High, that looks real familiar. And I'm like, God, Jesus Like, I lived next to Rydell High for years, and I had no idea that I was walking past Rydell High, this huge high school that I love, and this movie I love, and I would walk past it all the time, and I never knew that that was the high school they used for Rydell High. So, yeah, I felt kind of cheated. Yeah.
0: (laughs) When I first moved here, which is about 15 years ago now, um, I had known that one of my favorite comedies, UHF, Uh was filmed (laughs) in Tulsa. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, I lived all my life on the East Coast, but now that I'm in Oklahoma, I have to make a pilgrimage and check out all the existing filming shots in Tulsa. So I looked up like where they put the karate school, where they made the the city hall. It is. And uh, the apartment building where they taught poodles how to fly. I point out that building (laughs) on a regular basis.
1: When we moved to Austin, we just what did we do? My girlfriend and I, oh, we had to... um, well, first she's a huge um, Office Space fan, so we had to go to the Office Space locations, and then for me, of course, it was Dazed and Confused, and we had to go to Top Notch Burger, and some other places. So it's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is kind of cool, you know. But yeah, we went to all those little filming locations, and then of course, there's a the Texas round, I guess we live in Round Rock, Texas now, and apparently, I was looking on the, you know, my laptop one day. For filming locations and apparently I'm pretty close to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where they filmed the, um, the remake apparently but I'm like I don't know if I want to drive over there. That's okay. I don't know.
0: But yeah, this is what I'm talking about like, like, if you go up to a Star Wars fan and I am a huge Star Wars fan I am not picking on the Star Wars fan because I am that dude. But you sit down with them at a bar and, and you're like okay so let's talk about Last Jedi they're going to be saying Last Jedi. Last Jedi rolled over my dog and peed on my mom's grade. I hate that movie. And they will talk to you for an hour about why they hate the movie. But you can go up to a horror fan and say Night of the Living Dead 17. And they're like, that movie sucks, but you got to see it.
1: You got to like, see it because it's amazing how bad it is. You just got to see if it. it has its moments. Yes.
0: Yeah, of it's like the energy is totally different. And that's why I want to be a horror fan because I, I respect that so much.
1: There's a movie with Nicolas Cage. I forgot what it's called, and that really sucks. But because Nicolas Cage is doing so many movies right now, he did one, Willy's Wonderland. Willy's Wonderland is phenomenal. If you ever want to watch a really great little horror movie with Nicolas Cage in it, it is great. Willy's Wonderland, thumbs up. I give it. If I if I had if I was an octopus, I'd give it. And I had hands, I'd give it all a thumbs up. Anyway, so but he does another one, which my special effects person said, you know, you should watch this. Strictly for the colors. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it in Nicholas Cage. And let me tell you, I personally, I just couldn't get through it. I was like, this is not, I'm not gonna say it's terrible, but it just wasn't for me. So I'm like, ah, okay. But you know, the colors were off the hook. So if I was to recommend it, if anyone's like, Hey, you ever see this movie? I go, yeah, you know, does it suck? I'm like, it wasn't my cup of tea, but yes, the colors were amazing. So watch it for the colors. Just strictly for colors, because that was phenomenal. You know, and that's what my special effects guy was like. He's was, he was like, I told you, just watch it for the colors. He didn't say it was <laughs> a great movie. He's like, just watch the colors. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Because we were talking about, you know, you know, special using colors and stuff. So he was like, you know, there it is.
0: There's also the the idea of of recommending a really shit movie that happens to have a really good ending. Like the ending is way better than it deserves to be. <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm going to turn this off. It's like, no, wait for the end. That's about two hours from now. It's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. I guess if I was younger, I could do that. Cause there are movies now. I'll, Cause I'll, I will, I'll sit there and I will watch movies that I watched when I was like 11 or 12. I'll sit there and my girlfriend comes in and she's like, really, really, you're watching this again. I'm like, yeah, it's different now. When I'm not now that I'm older, but there's some of them I turn on and I'm like, I used to love this one. And I turn on I'm like I cannot believe I sat there and watched this when I was a kid. I'm like, what a waste of my time. I'm like, wow, wow. I'm like, I'm like, how stupid was that? But you know, but then there's some that I watch that'll just that just you know, hold up. And I'm like, yeah, it's dumb, but it's great. It is, it is, like chopping mall, it is, it is fun. It is, I would die for chopping mall. There you go. (laughs) I would die for Chopping Mall. I love Chopping Mall. I think it is wonderful. It's just good. It's not the greatest movie in the world, but it is a fun movie and it's silly and it is wonderful. Yay, Chopping Mall.
0: I think part of the problem, and I'm going to call it a problem, is that when you're a kid, you don't really have a grasp of what else you could be doing with your time. You find a movie that grabs you, even if it's not that great, and you're like, I want to see this through. This is fun. All you care about is this is fun for right now. As an adult, you kind of get into the idea of, yeah, but I could be doing this. I could be doing that. I could be watching a better movie. Kids right. never say, I could be watching a better movie. They say, I'll watch that better movie later.
1: Well, especially, you know, growing up, you know, in the early 80s, you know, we didn't have internet. We didn't have all that other stuff. So, you know, we had no, it was either you're going to go outside and play with your friends or you're going to sit inside and watch TV with your friends or by yourself, you know, you know, those are your options. go to an arcade, those are options. Now it's like, well, you know, people get easily distracted. It's like, oh, this is, I'm bored of this. I'm gonna go on my laptop, or I'm gonna go on my phone, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. You know, they have just so many other outlets. And also growing up in the early eighties, which just, it was, you know, the video craze, it was crazy. It was just ridiculous how many, you know, different horror production companies were popping up and just putting out film, you know, putting out all these different videos. And, that were just made for video and you know so yeah we had to go through all of them and i was yeah i i would rent something and when it was like a 24-hour rental you had to have back the next day so if i liked it and even if i didn't like it really that much if, it, if i found it entertaining i could sit in my house all day and until the next day and just watching that movie and watch about a good 10 or 12 times before i had to return it
0: Yeah, see i was I, I would almost do the opposite i if it was a 24-hour rental and that movie was 90 minutes long, 115 minutes later, that would be back in the shop and I'd be getting another one.
1: Oh, see, that's kind of cool. That's yeah, I, I, the thing is that
0: the shop was right across the street from my house. So really, like the guy would be like, eh, yeah, I know, 24 hours, but, you know, see you in two.
1: <laughs> but I never did that. That's kind of cool. No, I'd get them and just, I'd keep it, and just watch it over and over again then. But always return it. I always have it back the next day because that, was, that wasn't cool. You know, you had to respect because, you know, other people wanted to watch it too. Mm-hmm. And I know if I went in there and it was the movie wasn't there, I'm like, oh, we be up tomorrow and I'd go back tomorrow and it wasn't there. I'd get really pissed. Like, I really want to see this movie. And so I'd wait there. And then the people would kind like, of give them like dirty looks. Like, "Like, what's, this about, what's up with this little kid? It's like, oh, nothing, man. You know, I, 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 I want to watch Commando. You know, what's up? <laughs> you got 24 hours. That wasn't enough time. Come on. <laughs> you know, I want to get my Schwarzenegger in. Let's go.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it would be hilarious because I said at the time that was what you did that people don't understand the the idea of somebody else has to watch the movie that the physical copy is required. And there's, you know, now that we have an age when we're streaming everything on demand, we've forgotten what it's like that, you know, movies are, It's more than a solo experience on your phone. It's something that you share with the people in your house and and in your case, the people in your neighborhood all going to that store.
1: Right. It was a social event. When we first, I mean, we were there right when it, it was starting to pop. You know, I remember the first video store in our neighborhood was called Five Star Video. And five star video, what I remember it looking like was like almost like a like a small little library, and everything was behind glass cases and there were only the boxes. And no no they had the boxes and the film and they had attendants that would walk around and you would say oh i want that and they would open the case and take it out and they would take it up to the counter we didn't need my friends that we didn't even have um vcrs yet and we would spend all our time in this video store just looking around at the boxes and sitting on the floor and just talking about the different moves like oh, we got to see that one we got to see that one you know who's going to get the first vcr and you know but our parents we've been there for hours but our parents were cool because. They were like, well, where are they? It's like, well, I'm sure they're in that video store right over there. And that's where we were, it was so weird. I used to get posters when they would get rid of the posters. I used to, they used to give them to me, I'm like, oh, thank you. And my room used to be full of movie posters. And then we got our first VCR and that was pretty cool. And then I, be- who would I become members with? Oh, then another video store opened in the neighborhood. It was very small and it was called Bronx River Video. And um, it was a little bit shady, it was a little bit shady place. But, um, you know, there weren't a lot of members because I think they were like more or selling more than videos. But, but that was kind of cool because since there weren't a lot of members, that means their movies were always there. And they were always cool with me because I'd always ask for a job. So I'm like, come on, guys, let me have a job here. And they're like, no, 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 it's cool. You just ran. It's all good. You know, here, here's your free poster. I'm like, thanks. OK, they would never let me work there. That's there cool.
0: appreciate <laughs> the poster. And here's something I have kind of had to go against the grain on is that people will talk about the decline of video rental stores and they will blame streaming. And that definitely escalated things, but I tend to put the real decline on video stores on DVD itself. And the reason is this, when you and I were kids and you know, it was, you know, everything was tape. Mm-hmm. Those tapes, in some cases, went back years. You would go to a video store, and if it had been around a while, they would have 10, 15, 20 years worth of tapes they were renting out. There was You could find stuff that hadn't been printed for years, but they had it. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way to find really obscure stuff. It was a great way to get into really niche subjects. But when the Flip the DVD came, there were no DVDs that were 10, 15 years old. Everything was like six months old, a year old. So if you'd been paying attention, you knew everything there was to know about DVD. Mm-hmm. And so the chance to actually dig deep kind of died with the tape, at least in the short term. By the yeah. time DVD was that old again, streaming had finally hit.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I guess, yeah, you just make things more accessible to people. Yeah. Also, DVD did, did so much more. You, All of a sudden, you have a behind the scenes thing that looks at this. And oh, I did. I mean, all right. If I helped kill, kill the video store, I'm sorry. But yeah, when the DVD came out, I was all over it. I was all over it. I'm like, what? Extras? These are great. Making of? Oh my God. Auditions? This is great. Right. And then, you know, then there were like movies I already ha- saw when I was even younger, like Apocalypse Now. And all of a sudden, the DVD came out. It's like, well, I saw this. I'm like, ah, but there's, 10 minutes of extra footage it's like what yeah it's like these (laughs) movies are new again (laughs) right i actually saw apocalypse i'm a huge apocalypse now fan i don't know how many times i've seen the movie but they re-released it in the movie theater with back in was it early 2000 and with like extra footage attached to it and i went to go see it and let me tell you it was it was phenomenal it was phenomenal, but it, I sat there at the end going, thank God I never saw this movie. The, thank God the first time I didn't see this movie is with this footage because it wouldn't be my favorite movie anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I dig the extra footage. Thank you for showing it to me, but I'm so happy that the first time I saw it, I didn't see this with it. Cause I would just been like, that movie was way too long. It had some cool moments, but it was just way too long. But you know, seeing it afterwards, it's like, oh yeah, it's really cool. But I could see why they cut it out yeah you know and there are a lot of movies like that it's just oh okay that's kind of cool the exorcist I saw in the movie thing when they re-released it and then they have the whole crab when she comes down the stairs walking like a crab on her hands I'm like oh that was that was worth it I, that was pretty phenomenal though so yeah some things work some things don't but yeah but the dvd had all of that it's like oh my god that's great what <laughs> deleted scenes from a coyote ugly I need to see these yeah oh they dance more on the bar oh god 10 more minutes of dancing on the bar yes i want to see this footage i need it yeah there you go
0: yeah the ability to do a deep dive on dvd i almost overnight i went from spending like you said an hour or so at the video store to find something new and interesting to just going on cheapdvd.com and loading up on stuff that i i knew i could go through the special features and i mean Especially in the earlier days when the special features were just packed on there like, mm-hmm. you know, like like a Dagwood sandwich. It was like that could be, I don't want to say it was a substitute for film school, but you would come away with a not insignificant knowledge of filmmaking if you really put yourself to it.
1: Right. You'd so sit there and watch a director's commentary and the director's telling you how they did this and they cut it this way. And the writers there sometimes also and you got a producer. It is, it's like you know, it's a little film school 101. You sit there and you watch it, and you I mean you really listen to what they're saying, and you watch it over and over again. You study it. Yeah, it's pretty much, it's a tutorial. You have a really good director and the writer and everyone. It's like it's a tutorial, and then you can go back and watch what they did. It's like, oh my god, that's that's true. Look what they did right there, and boom. And what's one of my favorite. Oh, um, the Lost Boys. There's a scene. And have you ever seen the Lost Boys? Great movie. You know, huge bug Lost Boys, but Kiefer Sutherland. It's after. They kill, after the two Corvies, and I forgot the other guy's name, I'm so sorry, kill the vampire, I think his name was Marco, which is, who played um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He Who was he, Bill? Which one was Keanu Reeves, Ted? Keanu Reeves was Ted. Right, so it's Bill, the guy who played Bill. Alex Winter. Alex Winter, yes. That's a great documentary out now about Hollywood kids. I think that might be the name of the documentary. It's wonderful. directs it it's phenomenal but he played i think he played marco the vampire anyway he's the first one to get killed spoiler alert In the lost boys you haven't seen it yet i'm so sorry oh and um so he gets stabbed by one of the quarries and keeper sutherland's character the vampire just starts going you're dead you're dead and then he has this tear that just drops out of his eye and it's the timing is so wonderful and it's like oh my god you sit there like oh, he's a horrible vampire, but he just lost his friend and he's crying. And then years later, I was just watching this the other day, Kiefer Sutherland was on an interview and they talked about that scene. And he's like, All right, I'm going to spoil it for everyone. He's like, the contact started to burn my eyes. He's like, so basically he goes, that tear came because the contact was burning my eye. It wasn't like he had felt anything emotional. It was just the contact was burning his eyes and it irritated his eyes. So he had a tear. But it was perfect timing, it was cut correctly. And for all these years, I thought, Oh my god, Keeper in who is a great actor. And I'm like, Well, right there, man, it's early on. But no, his eye was just burning. So there you go.
0: I think we do have a tendency to read into things that maybe a little more than we should sometimes. Yeah. Because to yeah. go back to you, you said uh, Apocalypse Now. You love that movie. Uh, I yeah. distinctly remember having a conversation with a friend who was talking about a scene in which one character was carrying a rifle on his back. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he had it on his shoulders and he kept carrying it around and he looked like he was hanging on a cross. And I just kept thinking that they're, they're trying to portray him as this Jesus character. So I went to the commentary and I listened to all the commentaries I could find, and nothing referenced him trying to be portrayed as a Jesus character. <laughs> and I just can't understand why. And I'm like, maybe the gun was fucking heavy. Yeah. Like that couldn't be all there was to it.
1: Yeah, that simple little thing. There was a movie, an independent film years ago called, this, I think it's The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy. I believe Steve Buscemi, a young Steve Buscemi, wrote and directed it. I hope I'm right in giving Steve Buscemi all the correct props here. And um, and it was a totally independent film for Steve, I think Steve Buscemi might have just done Reservoir Dogs, I think. So it's a total independent film and... John Turturro, I don't know if you all know, is a wonderful actor. He's in the movie and he plays his character, oh, disco someone, and it's his character is so wonderful and he just does this, just, he just dances. And then at the end of the film, they bring back every character you meet throughout the film, they bring back at this, at this end party scene. But John Turturro's character isn't in the scene. So I would sit there and I'm like, I love this movie, but... Why isn't John Turturro there? Why? I wonder why. And I was like, so you know, it really, it was, it was. I was so obsessed with why John Turturro missed this particular scene. It was so weird to me. So I go and and I went to go see the play with, um, um, waiting for Godot with John Turturro and Tony Shalhoub. or Shalip, Shalhoub. I think it's Shalhoub. He played monk. Oh, and um and and um Christopher Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown from, from um. Back to the future, and he also played Reverend Jim on, um, on Taxi. Anyway, so they're all in this play, and at the end of the play, you know, every, you know they, they walk out, we're all outside, and you know, they're walking down the street, and there is John Totoro. So everyone's getting his autograph, and I walk up to him, and do I get his autograph? No. The first thing I ask is, Hey, why weren't you in the ending scene of you know, the search for one eyed Jimmy? And he looked at me, and he just like shook his head, and he's like, I just wasn't available. And he walked away so i'm like oh there it is all these years i was waiting for that stupid thing and there it is he has answered my question just like that i'm like what a waste i've been sitting there all these years and he just wasn't available it wasn't any other choice you know any any other i you know no character decision it was just he wasn't available that day there he goes there you go sometimes it's just as simple as that You know,
0: it it is. And if it's something that was too
1: heavy, they couldn't be there that day, they slipped, you know, the contact was in the eye, it burned it, you know, just silly things sometimes.
0: And if it is, if it is something that simple where it wasn't intentional, that doesn't take away from the end result.
1: Right. If
0: if you get moved because you see keeper Sutherland's tear, it doesn't matter if he did that on purpose or not. The fact is it hit you when it needed to hit you. (laughs) exactly
1: exactly it you know yeah you're exactly right it's still you know it's still bringing up that bad emotion and you know just because it's not the intention you thought it was it's it still works
0: yeah i uh my cousin vinny <laughs> listening to the wait, commentary wait. on that movie that the scene where they're in the cabin and they get woken up by the screech owl <laughs> there's basically they shoot the owl They change focus to the cabin, then they change focus back to the owl again. Right. And as they change focus back to the owl, the owl turns around, looks at the camera, and screeches. And there's, it's such an amazing shot. And you're like, how did you make the owl do that? And the DP's like, we didn't. He just happened to do it right when he needed to do it. Yeah. The owl's a good actor.
1: There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Just turned when (laughs) the camera. He knew where the camera was, and the owl (laughs) turned and hit it, hit its mark. There
0: you go. Well, Mark, I don't want to take all your day, and I definitely want to make sure people can keep touch on you know your project and where you're going. So, do you have social media links and websites for this project you're working on?
1: Yeah, um, our production company is called High Five and Ants Productions LLC. We're brand stinking new. You know, we are a new film company. It's our first film ever. You know, we're very very green, but eager and excited and and yeah, we're fun. So you can go to our website, which is highfiveandantsproductions Right now, there's nothing on there about our film because we start shooting in January. But you can see we're working on a little web series. We shot three episodes, and it's mentioned. It's called "It's Crazy Out There." So you can see that on our on our website. There's also a Facebook page for "It's Crazy Out There." If you want to go on that and yeah you can leave comments you can ask questions i'll answer you back you know yeah there you go i'm going
0: it. to make sure all that goes into the show notes on my website aaronbossig.com. so as this grows and as more news comes to light that'll be a good place people can check on that and again if there's anything else you want to throw up there i will be happy to add it
1: awesome thank you so much aaron
0: not a problem thank you so much for being here and i would love to have you back anytime Hey, man, thank you so much. I'd love to come
1: back. That'd be great.
0: I would like to thank Mark for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, that part where we spend time trying to grow our community that I promise costs you nothing and takes less than five minutes of your time, I want to talk about the show notes that we referenced earlier. On my website, Aaronbossig.com, every episode of this podcast has its own show notes. And on there, I want to provide easy access to anything that you might find interesting from the episode, whether that be a movie that was referenced, or a website that comes up, or a project, somebody's social media links, or books. We talk about books a lot. And with books, I try to provide kind of a -- I try to use my best judgment as far as how to provide those resources. For books that have been around for centuries, where the author is certainly no longer with us, I do my best to provide links to free copies of those books, books that are in the public domain. I want you to get that information as easily as possible, especially if that means that you don't even have to pay for it. For books that are by authors that are on the show, or by authors that are currently selling their works, I do try to provide commercial links to those books because I want them to have the benefit of having written that, but I'm going to ask you, when you go through the show notes and you say, hey, I have a great addition to these resources, I have a way of backing up or adding more context to this discussion, I would appreciate hearing from you. Reach out to me at bossigpodcast.yahoo.com and if you have an addition to any of the show notes or You just think there's a better way of doing it? I would love to hear from you. I welcome all input. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.